This episode has been a long time coming. First of all, because this is probably one of the topics that people talk to me about the most. And also because I, I literally haven't recorded a podcast episode in like two months. Getting Discomfortable with Cancel Culture What is cancel culture? Cancel culture is like the modern digital equivalent of an angry mob marching through the town square demanding somebody's head. It is innately tied to social media. And it's often connected to somebody saying something either in the present or in the distant past that has been dredged up and is found to be offside or problematic with the latest sense of morality or social justice values or ideals. And like most mobs... Cancel culture isn't exactly the most nuanced or fair or just. John Ronson wrote a wonderful book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, in which he interviewed people who had been the victims of these mass online shamings, these cancellations, and he explored the truly terrifying impact that this had on some people's lives. They made one sarcastic remark or joke that they thought people would understand was meant as satire, and before they knew it, they had completely lost their job and basically been ostracized from polite society. But there are also a number of celebrities who have been the target of cancel culture and who have decried it as a kind of encroachment against free speech. When in fact this angry mob, though no doubt unpleasant and perhaps unreasonable or hateful, hasn't actually impacted their livelihood, hasn't actually caused them to lose their job, and hasn't actually forced them to stop speaking. It hasn't actually taken their right to free speech. It's actually just been a no doubt deeply unpleasant emotional situation. In those cases, a lot of people see cancel culture as just synonymous with accountability. If you say something or do something that's unpopular, the reaction is that people are going to voice their displeasure. And if that has an impact on your career somehow, then it's your fault because you're the one who said or did something that wasn't appropriate or that was problematic. So, you know, it, it has some upsides in terms of People are definitely thinking through their tweets and social media posts and comments a lot more thoroughly, but it is also frightening people from being honest, frightening people from revealing controversial truths, from being fully authentic. And some people are being unfairly caught in the crossfires and having their lives ruined for what was ultimately just a bad joke. When I think of cancel culture, I take the name to be quite literal. If you believe that someone should be punished because of a mistake that they've made and canceled, perhaps even permanently, then I consider that 
a culture of cancellation, a culture of shame, a culture that does not offer a lot of room for understanding, compassion, or redemption. This, to me, suggests that there is a zero-strike policy and a belief that people cannot change, grow, learn, or adapt, redeem themselves, or make amends. If you really buy into cancellation, it suggests that any mistake means that your livelihood, your life, your position in society is over, and you really are just being exiled. From my perspective, that is pure shame. Shame itself is the fear that we are different, bad, and alone, that we don't fit into the group, that we are going to be exiled. And cancel culture is shame enacted. It is saying, yes, because of what you said or what you did, you really are different and bad, and you should be alone, and we want you to lose your job and lose your livelihood and and lose your potential to feel happiness anymore. And if you're someone who is famous or successful, we want to take your platform from you and we want to ruin your career. We want to send you into exile forever. So from a shame perspective, as someone who sees that shame is not a productive way to encourage or motivate positive change, I am not a huge fan of cancel culture. It seems counterproductive. It doesn't actually change people. It just silences them. It creates a lot of defensiveness and repression. It creates a general sense of fear in which at any moment this witch hunt might turn on you. And like all forms of shaming, I believe that people shame other people with their own shame. So that means that all these people who are engaging in cancel culture are people who live in shame and who live in fear that if they are not perfect, that if they make any misstep, they will also be canceled and they will also be exiled. They will also be different, bad, and alone. So they are just enacting externally and projecting the shame that they live under themselves. So to me, the prevalence of cancel culture is just a signal that we are living in an age of ever-increasing toxic shame. So yes, my, my gut reaction is that, of course, I don't support cancel culture. Shaming people is just not a productive way to engender positive change. In fact, it seems like cancel culture doesn't even believe in change. But given that all humans are imperfect, it's a classic eye-for-an-eye scenario. Eventually, the whole world will be canceled. But the more that I've been thinking about it, the more that I have kind of seen cancel culture as a bit of a misdirection. I'm, I'm actually not as concerned about it as I used to be. Yes, there are some people who have been very brutally and unfairly canceled. But there are also a number of people who have cried that they've been the victim of cancellation when, in fact, their career doesn't seem to have been impacted at all. I actually think that cancel culture is increasingly being used as a distraction from more important issues. When I am focusing on a social issue that I want to try to 
impact in a positive way. If I get caught up in judging the people who are using shame and cancellation to advance that cause, it actually distracts me from trying to advance that cause. I've experienced this myself. I have been noticing in a lot of social justice movements that are working towards really valuable goals that there is a lot of shaming and cancellation being used. Not by everyone, but there's definitely a strong current of that that I notice and that I, of course, disagree with. And it kind of makes sense because for me in particular, I focus on shame and cancellation and shame are exactly my whole thing. So, you know, it makes sense for me to want to engage with these people and say, hey, just so you know, this strategy of using shame might actually be causing more problems than solutions. You just might want to rethink it strategically. And if I'm in a position to talk to someone one-on-one about it, that would be my opinion. But I can easily stop focusing on the main issue and become totally obsessed with this crusade of stopping cancel culture. And then I'm not really contributing to the main cause anymore. I'm only contributing to the anti-cancellation crusade. And the reason this is problematic is that in a lot of these social justice issues, The only part of the whole issue that actually affects my life negatively is cancel culture. So there's no wonder that it is the thing that keeps catching my eye and attention and becoming the thing that I want to crusade against. Here's a perfect example. Racism. As a white man, the only real issue surrounding racism that impacts my life negatively is the shame and cancellation being directed at white people. And while it is totally true and legitimate, I think, that canceling and shaming white people is not going to help change white people, help open their eyes to racism, if I focus all my energy on that issue, I'm no longer focusing on anti-racism. I'm focusing on anti-shame, which makes sense for me because I'm all about shame, but I don't just want to focus on shame. I also want to be contributing positively to anti-racism work. So I have to be careful not to get emotionally caught up in the one aspect of racism that's actually kind of maybe arguably affecting me, shame and cancellation, and instead remind myself, hey, AJ, you still have to focus on anti-racism. If you're focusing on anti-cancellation, that is not anti-racism work. And I get into these debates with a lot of white people. They look at racism and they look at social justice and the one thing that really gets them activated and excited and that they want to argue about and that they want to change is not that we live in this culture filled with racism. It's that some of the people trying to stop this culture of racism are using shame that affects them as white people. 
And that makes perfect sense. You know, we are activated by the things that make us feel shame, not the things that make other people feel shame. So we will not fully understand the shame that people of color experience under racism. When we look at the racism issue, the thing that's really going to stand out to us white people is going to be the shame that we feel and the shaming and cancellation that's being directed at us. So it's super easy to get misdirected by our emotions like that. But that's why I'm here to say that if you're a white person and you're looking at anti-racism work and the only thing that's really on your mind is cancel culture, that's a distraction. Same thing if you're a man and you're looking at the Me Too movement. If the only thing that's really catching your eye about the Me Too movement that's really getting you excited is the fact that as a man, you've experienced some sense of cancellation, perhaps, or shame, that is also a misdirection from the real issue of trying to stop sexual assault and trying to create more equality between men and women. So your reaction to cancel culture... While it is legitimately true that cancel culture is not a great strategy, it can be a window into the fact that certain issues only affect you through potential cancellation. And when you realize that, you have an opportunity to readjust your focus and your resources and say, okay, while cancellation is one issue, it is not the main issue when it comes to racism. It is not the main issue when it comes to sexual assault or sexism. It is not the main issue when it comes to homophobia or transphobia. The real work is about contributing to and creating a society that is more equal, in which black people and indigenous people are not being killed, in which people of color are treated with equality, in which trans people are not being killed. Those are the real issues and goals. And cancel culture is a secondary and separate problem. And if you really do want to contribute to lessening cancel culture, I think that that is fine. I just don't think that that should be eclipsing your contribution and awareness of these other bigger issues. When it comes to actually directly addressing cancel culture, I find that it is very, very, very difficult to criticize cancel culture without canceling the cancelers or shaming the shamers, which is, of course, totally hypocritical. I see so many people decrying cancel culture in a way that is just as shaming and mocking and cruel and unfair as the people that they are criticizing. And I find that this is a common mistake, and I make this all the time. It is extremely difficult to combat shaming without shaming someone yourself. And what I've started to realize is that there isn't that much utility in focusing on the shamers, in focusing on the cancelers. Because as I said earlier, we shame people with our own shame. 
So the people who are engaging in cancel culture are people who already feel a lot of fear and shame themselves. They're probably burdened by their own perfectionistic attempts to say everything just right, to know all of the latest social justice trends, all of the latest social justice jargon. They are constantly afraid that they're going to get something wrong, and they're trying so hard to get everything right that when they see other people who don't even seem to be trying at all, naturally they want to lash out and say, hey, I'm under such pressure and shame and stress to be absolutely 100% perfect on every little social justice nuance, and here you are not even trying. That's going to build resentment, it's going to build vicarious shame, and it's going to naturally lead to a lot of people lashing out and projecting their own shame onto these other people. That's totally understandable and natural. And it suggests that the people who are doing the shaming are already punishing themselves by living in that world every single day. And what's more, lashing out at them and shaming them for shaming is just going to add to their shame. And it's not going to create any kind of positive change because shame is not an effective strategy for changing people. It's going to make them more shamey, more brittle, more defensive, more perfectionistic. So what do you do? I think, given that the people doing the shaming are also the people feeling shame, that you can approach them as the victims of shame rather than as the perpetrators of shame. And when you approach people as the victims of shame, you have a lot more opportunity to help them work through their own shame such that they no longer feel oppressed by their own internal cancel culture. And when they can accept themselves, they don't need to go around canceling other people. I can work with people as victims of shame because I'm also a victim of shame. I can come to them with empathy and be like, oh, I know that it's so difficult and you're working so hard to get all of these social justice concepts in line to make sure that you're using the right terminology and that you're not centering yourself and that you're not being too privileged and, and that you're, you're being a good ally. And I, I know that you're making such an effort and, and it can be so intimidating and, and so difficult to make sure that you've gotten it all right. And I just want you to know that it's okay if you make a mistake. You can have a second chance. You can make a mistake and learn. You can make a mistake and still be a good person. You can make a mistake and still be contributing in a positive way. It's okay for you to screw up. And as they start to see that that is true, that they can make mistakes, that they always have an opportunity to redeem themselves and to make amends, they will start to then apply that to everyone else. If they're allowed to make mistakes, other people are allowed to make mistakes. If they're not going to be canceled and rejected, they don't have to cancel and reject other people. So dealing with cancel culture is about empathizing and looking at people's innate shame, looking at their own shame, rather than focusing on how they may have been shaming others. 
That is going to be a much more effective, much less shaming strategy. And it's about connection. It's about saying, I'm the same as you. I have all these same problems. I have also shamed people. I have also felt incredible internal pressure to be perfect. That's all very normal and understandable. But we have an opportunity to do something else, to treat ourselves with more self-compassion. And that will actually be a more effective strategy for creating positive change in the world, which seems to be one of the biggest things that is motivating us. So cancel culture is an epidemic created by a culture that is filled with toxic shame. And if we want to combat it, we have to help heal people from their shame rather than shame them for their shame. Shaming people isn't an effective strategy for change at all, and it is definitely not an effective strategy for changing shame itself. It's just more shame. It's shame squared. And we also have an opportunity to look at the impact that cancel culture has on us and see that it might actually be blinding us from the real issues. It might actually be the one source of emotional skin in the game that we have about a certain issue. And if that's the case, of course, cancel culture is going to feel really scary and important to us. But that is blocking us from seeing that the bigger issue is about supporting someone else who is experiencing even greater oppression beyond just the threat of potential shame and cancellation. And because shame is this innate feeling inside of us, we are always going to feel absolutely terrible when a bunch of people, even strangers on the internet, pile on and demand that we be canceled or that we're a bad, terrible, horrible person and that we don't deserve to have an opinion. And I'm sure that being the recipient of cancellation, even if you don't lose your job, is still emotionally a very unpleasant experience. That is true. But the thing about shame is that everything related to shame feels super unpleasant, but it's not always real. I think one of the most important things about learning to deal with shame is learning to separate discomfort from actual danger, learning to tell the difference. Shame used to signal that we were in danger of being kicked out of our tribe of 150 people back when we were hunter-gatherers. And that really did mean we were probably going to die. But now we don't live in tribes like that anymore. And cancellation from one group of people doesn't necessarily stop us from connecting with other groups of people or from falling back on our family or our close friends. So though shame still feels very unpleasant, it does not signify the same threat to our survival that it used to. It doesn't signify the threat to our survival that it makes us think is still true, because our instincts just haven't really caught up with the modern world. So one of the key ideas that I want people to understand about shame is that feeling the discomfort of shame is a very different thing than actually being in any kind of mortal danger. They feel the same, but they are not. And the more we can get discomfortable with shame, which is to say, allow ourselves to actually feel it 
without necessarily acting on it or believing it, allows us to normalize that feeling such that we can start to distinguish, am I actually in danger or am I just in shame? And cancellation, even if it is overwhelming and hateful, in many cases doesn't actually mean danger. And my hope is that we can create a movement where people are understanding, demystifying, and getting comfortable with the discomfort of their own shame to such a degree that they are, to some degree, impervious to cancel culture. So it's not that we have to cancel the cancelers. It's that we can neutralize them by not being as deeply impacted by their behavior. And the way that we would do this is not by not feeling shame, because that's impossible. It's just about recognizing that feeling the intense discomfort of shame does not always actually mean we are in danger. It doesn't always mean that we're going to lose our job or lose our friends or die sad, frightened, and alone. It's just an uncomfortable feeling. And when we can normalize that uncomfortable feeling, people can shame us, and it will be awful. It will feel terrible. It will hurt, and we will have to honor and work through that pain. But once we've done that and gotten to the other side, then we can look around and say, oh, did this actually ruin my life? Perhaps not. And if it didn't, then I don't need to retaliate. So we can create more and more people in our culture who are basically able to withstand a benign shaming and carry on with their lives. And as that happens, if we can kind of create an amount of people who can withstand shame like that, which is to say just feel it and keep moving, then cancel culture will lose its power and lose its effectiveness and lose its popularity. And it won't require punishing or shaming or doing anything to the people who are actually enacting the cancellation. It's all about dealing with the victims of shame, which are both the cancelees and the cancelers. <laughs>